0: Hi everyone, this is Jerry Garano, the host of You Know What You Know podcast. This podcast dives into the perspective that dialogue transforms people. And this episode is a continuation of the past uh, two or maybe four episodes, depending on if I include the ones that I did on YouTube. Um, I, I did two episodes on YouTube that also included... Uh, Movies and movie dialogue um, and how that transforms the characters in those movies. Um, And so this episode is also analyzing a movie scene. And the movie that I'm going to be diving into is called In the Bedroom. Now this movie, and I'm kind of pulling up Google right now just to make sure that what I say about this movie is correct. So yes, this movie came out in 2001. It's labelled as a drama indie film and um I, I do believe that it's a it's a drama movie and I think it's a really good movie. It talks about grief. Um and the reason why it does that is because and this is kind of like a spoiler. Um I'm sorry. If you don't want it if you don't want to be spoiled at all, I recommend just, you know, pausing the podcast and then maybe watching the movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I think it's a really good and powerful movie, and it talks about grief, and the reason why it does talk about grief is the main one of the main characters um, passes away pretty early on in the film, and so that um, death, um, of course, has its implications and ramifications, and it impacted the rest of the characters and, and the rest of the film um shows how um, these characters kind of deal with that death um and so the scene that I'm going to show you is a scene in which the character who you know passed away um the parents um you know reaction uh to to their son's death um and i i I think it's kind of like a very beautiful scene just because, you know, both characters are struggling, um, you know, with the death of their son, and, and this conversation that, you know, I'm, I'm going to show you is not like right after the son's death, you know, they, they take some time to kind of grieve, but then it kind of shows you that, you know, the, the grief, you know, kind of shows up for everyone differently, you know, grief is something that, you know, doesn't look the same for everyone, and, Um, And that means that, you know, each character has their own time and their own way when dealing with grief. And, um, you know, before I kind of get into the scene, I like to maybe expand more on grief and maybe the assumptions that, you know, grief has. I mean, I'm kind of just on the top of my head, you know, there's, I think, when maybe as like a psychology major or just someone who, you know, is interested in, in that type of stuff, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's like the five stages of grief, and I can go ahead and, and, and Google it for you. Five stages of grief. I'm on my computer right now, and um, it, it's called the Kubler Ross model. That's another name for it, and um, it postulates that you know people who are experiencing grief go through a series of five emotions, and those emotions are denial. Anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, formally, I believe that this model had these five emotions: uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, um, these uh, these five emotions um, are in a sequence. so you experience like denial first and then and then you experience anger then you go bargaining and then depression and then acceptance nowadays I believe um, I think it's more flexible in in what stage you're in and, and what the next stage is so it fluctuates like you know you don't have to begin with denial you can probably begin with maybe like bargaining and then instead of going from bargaining to depression you can go to bargaining to acceptance so it fluctuates. And that is, I believe, the assumption now is that when when you are grieving, you don't have to follow the model in sequence. You can experience those emotions however you want to experience them. Um, there's also, you know, other models that have, you know, six stages of grief or even seven. Um, and so I don't necessarily, you know... Um, not agree. What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, promote any model. I, I think I'm just talking about maybe the most popular one. Um, at least to my knowledge, is the most popular, which is the Kubler Ross model. So yeah, I mean, I I think it's important to kind of just talk about grief. I think everyone experiences grief. You know, grief can happen. Can happen. Excuse me, when you know someone experiences major loss. Um, you know, an example of that could be divorce. Um, another example could be like financial loss, you know, so, so grief, I think is a universal thing. Um, everyone experiences it. And I feel like because of that, I I feel like because everyone experiences it, um, like grief can be something that people can relate to, talk about, you know, kind of. Go through it together or maybe just um, show empathy for you know and so um, kind of like how in the past episode past two episodes we talk about love um, and how that is universal I would like to say that grief is universal as well so now we're kind of Segueing into the movie scene now just to give some idea of what the movie scene is about like I said in the beginning it's a conversation between the parents you got the dad and you got the mom and um, early on in the movie their son um, passes away tragically so how does he pass away well um he is dating somebody um and she is going through a divorce i believe and the ex-husband is not happy about the relationship that uh his ex-wife is having with this person and he ends up killing him and it's devastating it's it's really devastating and you know there's no justice being served so uh, so far up to this scene just because I, I believe that you know the case is ongoing i don't think they've ever um you know indicted the ex-husband um so the case is still up in the air and um and you have to watch the rest of the movie to find out what happens but in this particular scene you know the parents are just still grieving but you can kind of see how distant the parents are just because when they're experiencing their grief, um, they're not really talking about it. They're not really expressing it. And they're kind of off doing their own thing and, and dealing with it on their own in their own way and on, uh, and on their own time. So it feels like the parents are just kind of checking in, but also at the same time, it's like we live together and we haven't really been talking about it. And now you want to talk about it? Like, What is there to talk about? And so I'll expand on that. I'll expand more on that later, but um, I just want to give kind of like a little um, visual of of what the scene's gonna be like. And so when the scene begins, um, the wife is, her name's Ruth. Um, She is back from grocery shopping. And then the husband, I think his name is Ron, I believe. I'm going to double check. Just a second. I just had it open to the tab. Um, Matt, his name is Matt. So it's Ruth and Matt. Matt comes in and he tries to see uh, what's up with his wife. And and then the whole conversation kind of begins. And you kind of see how everything unfolds. And I'm going to kind of explain you know, my idea of what is going on and and then how are the characters transforming um, from that conversation, from that dialogue. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, play it.
1: Something wrong? Wrong? What's wrong, What do you want? I want to know what's going on. Oh, right. You're obviously upset. Is there something we can talk about? Talk? Who, us? What if somebody walked in? They wouldn't recognize us. They'd think they were in the wrong house. Do you want to talk or not? Oh, you mean about our dead son? No. We haven't before. Why should we bother now? I do. Uh, Forget it, Matt. Why don't you just go? What do you want from me? I want you to stop acting like nothing's happened. That's what I want. Why, because I'm not bouncing off the walls? No, Matt, that would require feelings. We don't want you to hurt yourself. Do me a favor, if you want a grieving contest, go find someone else. I know how you grieve. Go have another beer. the hell is that supposed to mean? What do you know? You know nothing. You don't don't know what I go through. No, I don't know what you go through, Matt. Or if you go through anything. But that's your choice, dear, not mine. Good, I'm right. it is. My choice is not to scream at the world. One, maybe one of us has to be reasonable around here. You ever think of that? Reasonable? Gee, Matt, I don't know about you, but I miss my son. I'm glad you have time for reason. It's what you imparted to Frank, that sense of reason. Oh, he thought you were very reasonable. What are you talking about? Nothing. Are you? Are you saying that? That I'm the one. Responsible. Is that it? Well. Uh, well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You got it backwards. I know what you think that uh, that I was too lenient. That I let him get away with everything! Everything! Yes, yes, yes. And why? Why did he never come to you? He wouldn't listen to me, Matt! No, he would not listen to you! He wouldn't listen to you because you never listened to him! No, but you did. You were winking at him the whole time. You encouraged him. You wanted what he had. Her. Oh, my God, you come gotta on, be on, You know kidding. it! You wanted it and you couldn't get it. That's why you didn't stop him so you could get your kicks through your son. You can't admit the truth to me or to yourself that Frank died for your
0: fantasy piece of ass! Oh,
1: you, know, you you want to know why our son is dead. You really want to know. He was with her, not because of me. He went there because of you. Yes, he did, because you are so controlling, so overbearing. So angry that he was it. That he was our only one. That is not true! Oh, yes it is. Yes it is. Even when he was a kid, you were telling him how how he was always wrong. Oh, uh, I remember uh, one time you yanked him out of a little league game and sent him home for throwing his, his glove in the dirt. He was what? Nine years old. Everything he did was wrong. Well, what was wrong with him, Ruth? You're... You're so unforgiving. You are. That's what he said. And you're pulling the same shit with me. And that's a horrible way to be. It's horrible. You're bitter, Ruth. And you can point your finger at me all you like, but you better take a damn good look at yourself. I just wanted to talk about what happened, Matt. (laughs) You want me to be open with you, embrace you? You scare me. How can I talk to you? Sometimes I sometimes I can't even look at you.
0: was very emotional. You know, there was a lot of emotions that I was feeling throughout the whole conversation. I feel like there was a lot of anger, of course. I think that's probably the obvious one, but also there was a lot of sadness as well. I think of course both people are hurting tremendously, I think. You know, when you're grieving, you know, obviously you're sad. I think maybe that's just a big assumption of mine, but they're they're sad, you know, their son has passed, so I, early on in the conversation, you, you kind of got to see that a little bit, or hear that, at least, just, I think, coming from both sides, you know, um, Matt wanting to check in, kind of seeing the emotion on his wife, and then his wife kind of just sad about it, too, but and then also seeming like, oh, now you notice me type of thing, so, There was some anger on her part, and um, just to kind of, I guess, not really summarize, but just knowing the tone of both individuals, it was not really nice, and it was coming from a place of tremendous sadness turned into anger. Turned into anger. (laughs) So I I think it's I think it's important to just kind of validate where the characters are um at the time of that conversation just not to like you know assume that they're just angry people but assuming that you know how do they get ang- how do they get here you know why are they angry why are they sad and, and it's just to kind of validate that they are in this position of grief and you know i think one of the things that i like to highlight is just the tone like the tonality of each speaker each character in in this dialogue and when i say like it's when i say the tone i just i'm mentioning just the way things are being asked the way the things are being said not necessarily what is being said but how they're being said and it doesn't sound like it's a nice like it doesn't seem like each person is inviting one another to their space i think there was an attempt at the beginning of course where matt wants to check in with ruth and then and you know, ruth kind of dismisses him a little bit and that kind of agitates matt and then ruth says some some things that agitates matt even more and then matt says things to agitate ruth so it's kind of like a back and forth again so I think tone is important just because maybe if there was, you know, a dialogue where it wasn't that emotional, one of the things to change probably, excuse me, probably um, is the tone. You know, what would that look like or how would that sound like? Maybe something a lot nicer. And obviously, again, the characters are in tremendous pain and hurt. And so what probably could have helped would be just validating where each character is in terms of their grieving process and that's not always easy you can't always assume where the character is in, in terms of that process because everyone has their own way and time when dealing with that type of stuff but it's like what how would that look like or what would that look like and maybe for for matt it would you know be inviting ruth into his space, because he's coming into her space, and so, or maybe him asking if he could be in her space, because, you know, she's, she's still grieving in her own way, and then he comes in, like, out of nowhere, and, and they haven't really been talking, and he's like, hey, you know, how are you, how are you doing, and it's like, whoa, like, this is, This is different like this is a different change in my routine like I've been quiet and I've been doing this and that and and now you come in and ask me how I'm doing even though you could probably tell that I've been sad so maybe not necessarily him inviting her into his space it's the other way around maybe him asking if he can enter into her space And, and how would that look like I'm not really too sure I think there's a couple ways to do it I don't know Ruth that much to know what her language is in terms of asking her if it's okay to be in her space, but maybe what it would look like would be like Matt asking Ruth, like, hey, is it okay if I kind of check in on you? And also maybe like disclose some of his assumptions too. Like, hey, I, you know, you I know we haven't really been talking. Coming from my end, maybe I should have done something more to kind of check in on you. And now I know maybe it feels late, but I, I really wanna see how you're doing and I can share to you how I'm feeling if that's okay. So I think just always maybe asking the person for permission to kind of ask these type of questions of, of how are you checking in? And then maybe, you know, again, ending the conversation, ending the conversation or question with, if that's okay with you, just to know that they have kind of the, the privilege or or power to to permit you to be in their space or not. You know, so it's empowering, I feel like, when you ask somebody if you can enter into their space. So I, f- I feel like it, it, if that was done by Matt, then maybe the conversation would have been, you know, less heated. Um, and then Ruth has her own things to, you know, She has her things about, you know, Matt and and the way that he grieves, you know, with with her saying, okay, just drink a beer like you always do, or why are we talking about it right now? Like, why bother? Um, And then it just comes into, like, a screaming match at this point because I think they're both trying to find a reason why their son has passed, and and maybe it's to kind of comfort them, I'm not really too sure, but... I want to validate that besides um, this grieving process being tremendously sad and difficult for, for these two characters but also probably being tremendously ambiguous and so trying to find a reason why their son has passed would probably make things a lot clearer for them because right now it sounds like it's super murky. You know the situation that they're in is very ambiguous and when things are ambiguous you want to start pointing fingers probably to see how to make it less ambiguous because it's a big question mark and and you probably want an answer to it and so they're they're shouting at each other it's very heated and you know ruth is saying that it's matt's fault you know for the son's death and then and then at the end matt's like no it's your fault because it's like he you know why he never listens to you because you're so unforgiving you think that you know you think that, um, you know, what he's doing most of the time is wrong and, and, and then he tells like a story of, you know, of, of, of Ruth's going home early from a game because the son threw his glove into the into the dirt. You know, stuff like that. And um I you know, I find that to be a little harsh of course. You know, I don't think pointing fingers is always the solution to, you know, an argument, but I think because of the situation being so ambiguous both characters are feeling tremendously sad one would hope to understand that this isn't you know um out of any you know um ad- adversarial emotion that they're not out to get e- get to each other i just hope that they're out to understand one another but the way that they're doing it may not be the most beneficial i think there are better ways to kind of understand each other but, yeah, I mean, you hear the tone, you, you kind of understand that both characters are tremendously sad and then understand that the situation that they're in sounds very ambiguous, and they might be from what I've been you know, what I've heard so far from this conversation, they might be desperate to find an answer just to maybe get some comfort into. into why their son is dead you know and it's tremendously difficult you know this is a very difficult situation and there's no easy answers I can sit here all day and describe you know what to do or what not to do and that's easy for me but really I, I want to kind of give that expertise to these characters because they're the ones living this experience not not me you know, so they know what is best. And, and so um, I'm just here to kind of give some feedback and comment on maybe some ways in which they can explore the conversation differently or maybe have future conversations about um, their son's death. And, you know, it seems like to me that each character just kind of, besides wanting an answer to all of this, maybe wants some comfort, you know, and... I, it might be like a, it might seem like it's a little too late just because Ruth, you know, when Matt asks how she's doing, she kind of dismisses him a little bit. Um, but I'm not to say that, you know, Matt didn't read it right and, and should have validated. I think in the heat of the moment, both characters are so hurt that that's probably what, they probably acted out of what they thought made the most sense to them at that time. And I'm glad that no one really got physically hurt in, in this fight. You know, that's one thing that, one area of concern to always look for. But it was a shouting match and there was some verbal swings um, being thrown at, you know, being thrown in, in this conversation. And so it's like, how do we dampen that? Well, you know, of course, again, acknowledging the situation you know both characters are in pain tremendous pain and sadness you know their son passed away you know not due to like anything unnatural natural excuse me but to to murder and and that's a real that's just pain in itself you know death is painful but having someone that you love be killed by somebody else that is also really painful and so there's a lot of assumptions there as well in terms of You know what that situation might be like for the characters experiencing that pain and then how to go about that you know when you know justice hasn't been served yet too so it's also this feeling of like incompletion that you know just because the person that murdered the son you know hasn't served any justice um that they themselves maybe haven't found closure for that too. So there's multiple things that have not yet been completed in terms of, you know, their emotional state, in terms of grief, um, and in terms of maybe just checking in with one another. And, um, you know, I I think what's important, you know, is also just, of course, being present, but seeing the person, understanding the person. And in this conversation, I feel like Yes, the process was definitely there. You know, Matt being able to check in with Ruth, Ruth expressing Matt her feelings, but how to do it, you know, and, and that's so difficult. I think trying to be the expert and saying how when this situation is very heavy can seem like I'm intruding on their personal space. And so if i were to kind of be there in the present moment maybe if this was a client session i'm not sure how it would play out but if they were having this conversation in the session maybe the same exact one it would mostly be maybe acknowledging what is happening like oh there's a lot of there's a lot of verbal swings going on i see what's re- what's really happening with both of you right now just in terms of what the situation is, or what the moment is asking you to do. Is it to, de- is it to defend yourself? Is it to attack each other? Is it to be with each other? You know, and, and I think that maybe is one of the goals that I might have if I was there, or they might have for themselves, and maybe asking what goals they want to achieve. And, and that might even be better is to ask them, what do you want to achieve out of this? You know, What's the end goal out of this? And, um, you know, it's never easy. The situation is very complex. There's so many ways to go about it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's why the scene is so beautiful is because, you know, in terms of maybe showing a character's, you know, way of grieving, this also can be an example of grief, just anger and resentment. And um, I feel like... You know, the movie did a great job. So how did the characters transform at the end of this dialogue? And I think that's something that I'm kind of scratching my head at, too. But you can see that there was some disclosure about maybe Ruth's relationship with their son at the end where, you know, Matt is saying that she's so unforgiving. And then the story about the baseball game. And, and how she, you know, how most of the things that the son does is wrong. And so, therefore, you know, when she was trying to let him know to be careful with dating this girl, it um, seemed like, you know, the son didn't really listen to the mom. And and I think maybe as an audience member, you can you can see probably how that probably has affected the son. Or, or maybe her being unforgiving. Um... Can also, you know, be involved in her grieving process, um, especially because she's putting things on Matt, as Matt has, you know, said in his own experience. At the end of the conversation, you're putting this on me too now, um, and and so you can. I think it just adds to the complexity of the character. But I think there's some sort of transformation because now of that disclosure, she's able to maybe. And, and this is, could be, like, a hope, reflect on who she is and maybe not take responsibility because that's definitely not her responsibility. Um, the son's death was not in her power and, you know, in her fault. She could have probably, you know, said some things, I don't know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the son, right? And the same goes with Matt, but maybe just kind of reflect. But then again, like, is it helpful you know, do you think that is a necessary piece of information to grieve? I'm not sure. But it also kind of maybe stops her from putting any blame on Matt just because she's now able to kind of look at herself. And I think the same goes with Matt as well. I think, you know, since maybe he fell attacked, it sounded like, and he was trying to defend himself, and then he put it on Ruth that, you know, she's so unforgiving um, that, you know, hopefully that he's – able to kind of acknowledge, okay, you know, Ruth is is now processing this on her own after this disclosure. Now, maybe I could do the same, and hopefully that kind of opens up a conversation between them two. I think disclosure is probably a really helpful thing, maybe in the long term, in terms of, you know, sharing your expressions, your frustrations, your feelings about something to the other person, because I think it opens up a window. Um, to the other person's, you know, emotional processes, and, and that way, I think because of that, um, you're not at an impasse. You're at a opportunistic um, uh, meeting where you are able to now feel, hopefully, open enough uh, to describe what you're going through on a on a uh, on a usual basis. You know, it doesn't have to be so common. But now at least you got something out of your system, and the other person has received that message and and listened to that message. and And I feel like these characters have transformed in that way in that they now know that they're both grieving. you know, I mean, everything was quiet. they were they weren't really sure in the beginning of where each person was at in this stage of grief. But now at the end, it's like they're both hurting. There's anger and and resentment and sadness and so. It seems like everything has been revealed or almost everything has been revealed. So yeah, so I, I, I hope I, you know, encapsulated everything. I, I know that I did not. There's some things to continue to explore with grief, but I feel like this is a good stoppage point. So um I really appreciate you sticking through this, listening to this. I always want to hear your feedback i got to figure out ways to do that. I, I think it's just on YouTube at this point or maybe Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So if it's YouTube or a platform where you can leave comments, please feel free to leave comments. I always welcome them. And I wish you a wonderful week. And if you have any questions, any comments, feedback, comment below, like and subscribe. I'll be pushing out more content in the future. All right, appreciate that. You have a good week. All right, see you then.